0: world today you're so good to me i know but i can't change try to tell you but you look at me like maybe i'm an angel underneath oh
1: uh, we're we're back for another episode of eat pray judge uh i'm Gabe Pacheco i'm Sammy Hernandez we've got uh, our technical director uh chilling in the silent seat today we've got Mr. Kevin Hickey Right. And uh Hey today- Kevin. <laughs> Hi Kev. Uh and today we are covering uh one of uh a movie I've actually seen before. Oh, you saw this? I've seen uh this film right when it came out. That's amazing. Yeah, so we're gonna be covering what women want. Did you see it with your mom? I saw it with my grandma. <laughs> My grandma loves, there, there's like a certain uh, lane of films that I watch with my grandma. Sure. And one of them is uh, like any movie with Sandra Bullock. Mm. So, uh, she, we have a lane. My grandma and I have like specific movies that we always watch. Um, and she loves Sandra Bullock films. So Miss Congeniality. We also watched Julia Roberts movies uh, whenever possible. Pretty Woman, huge for her. And Notting Hill, another big one for my grams. And, um. Oh and her favorite was my my big fat Greek wedding. Awesome. Yeah.
0: A Greek lady liking my big fat Greek wedding. Yeah, it's so on the nose. Yeah. Um I mean I guess that's literally who they were, you know, marketing that movie to. <laughs> a huge niche in the <laughs> uh, in the US market.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're like, uh Stavros, you need to take your mom <laughs> to go see a movie. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, did, have you, did you see this one before? I'd never
0: seen this movie, um, I think for obvious reasons, uh, um, oh, but
1: it had, dude, it had Mel at his prime, pre-rant, Yeah. and it had, uh, Helen Hunt, uh, who was a star, uh TV star at the time. Correct. Yeah, she was on, uh, America's favorite sitcom, Mad About You, which, uh, just completely flew
0: by me. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> neither of those two things were selling points for me, <laughs> clearly, um, yeah, but uh, I mean, that's that's not fair. Mel Gibson, as you, you, know, you kind of forget after he lost his shit completely, he's the guy's made some pretty outstanding films. I mean, yeah, movies that I grew up on.
1: Totally. So uh, we so we've got uh, these two stars. Um, we've got Mel Gibson, and uh, what's your what's, what was your first Mel Gibson experience?
0: Uh, Lethal Weapon. All right, without question was my first. Uh, I think I saw that when I was like ten the opening scene to that movie is incredible. Uh, I yeah. Just loved his, uh... I mean, Riggs. Riggs and Murtaugh.
1: I'm gonna bring it up. The first scene in that movie is, uh, Titties. It is Titties. That's probably why it's stuck in my head. Let me that. I mean, I... So, I saw this movie also yeah. when I was around 10 years old. My, um... My mom was a lawyer in the city and uh, in D.C. And one <clears> of her <throat> clients was this guy, Mohammed who was coming here, immigrating from, uh, Egypt. And he, uh... He worked at the arcade on Connecticut Avenue in DuPont Circle, and so my mom would go meet him there, and he would hand me fistfuls of tokens, and I'd play, like, Ikari Warriors in the arcade, and Joust, so those were, like, the two games that I loved the most at that moment in time, and he also had cable, like, before, you know, my family had cable, so I was like, oh my
0: god, you have HBO? That's amazing! Yeah, nobody, nobody had cable in the 80s. And not it, many people. Not many people. It was a luxury. Uh, you know what, I think so. Beyond the luxury, though, it wasn't even, like, a you know, nobody, nobody knew.
1: It might have been that some apartment buildings came with it, or I'm not Something. sure yeah. why, but, th- like, he definitely had it, and he had a, a VCR, so he would dub VHS tapes. Yeah. And as a gift to my family, he gave us a VHS tape with Lethal Weapon on it mm-hmm. and a Golden Child. It was, like, a double feature. Nice. No, man. And yeah. Hell yeah. So I watched Lethal Weapon, <laughs> like, over and over and over and over again. And I really got, and that was, like, my entry point into Vietnam. I was like, "Oh, is this what happens to all Vietnam vets? Do they become like cops in L.A.?" Wow.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, <coughs> but my first Mel Gibson experience was um, was watching Mad Max. Sure. So the very first one where he's a cop uh, and like he's part of the police force as it's sort of unraveling in um, Australia. And I didn't know anything about Australia at that time, so I thought that that was just literally how life was over there. Yeah. You know? I thought it was just a bunch of, like, uh, motorcycle-riding uh, highway pirates uh, on the coast, uh, like, next to a giant desert. It's not? I mean, maybe that's... Yeah. I, sh- my, well, my, se- <laughs> my second impression of Australia after Mel Gibson was... Uh, Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah. Well, that was my first impression of Australia, but easily. Yeah.
0: Crocodile Dundee. Another one of my grandma's faves. Yeah. I think I saw that and part two with her, both in California. Yeah. Watching an Outback man try to tackle a a bidet. Yeah. A bidet. Life changing. G'day. Bidet. Yeah, we don't have bidets in the U.S. Dealt with transsexuality at a very early age. And cocaine use. She's a Sheila. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh man, that's great. That's kind of a romantic comedy. One that's one to think on. Yeah, um, totally. Um,
1: it's kind of like a Tarzan um, comes to the big city. Yeah, only so I mean, only Tarzan is a crocodile hunting. Yeah, uh, white Australian. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So Mel Gibson, uh, Helen Hunt. I didn't. I, yeah, I don't. I never saw Mad About You, so I didn't really know other stuff that she was in.
1: Well, I, look, I looked her up a little bit on Wikipedia, and she had uh, she'd been in the game forever leading sure. up to this movie. I mean, she started off as a child actor, and um, she's on episodes of like the Bionic Woman in the 70s. Was and she Jodie Foster's stunt double? She, she's got that Jodie Foster vibe, right? She was on Facts of Life. Thank you. She was on an episode of Facts of Life as a pot smoker, and uh, she also was in a 1982 um, made-for-TV movie where she gets high on PCP and then jumps out of a wing. Wow.
0: Yeah, full circle. Well, the girl jumps off of a building in Lethal Weapon. That was the opening scene. <laughs> to uh, Rockin' Around the Clock. or uh, What was it called? Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Man, that's a So life. disturbing. And, yeah, it that's really another was. thing that to remember. It was. disturbing fucking scene. For like a kid, I was just like, oh, shit.
1: Lethal Weapon is the a Christmas movie. <laughs> drugs are bad. <laughs> Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Old black men just want to retire and
0: get their pension. Gremlins. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. No. That's uh, true. Yeah. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 1. Christmas oh, movie. Also Die Uh Die Hard 2 took place at Dallas Airport, where nothing good ever happens. I like Die Hard 2. (laughs) (laughs) So this movie came out in the year 2000. Right. Uh, What was going on in the year 2000, Gabe? News stories.
1: News stories. Oh, man. So the year 2000 was, uh, we had the USS Cole. Bombing. Uh, There was a bombing there um, where uh, two suicide bombers took uh, maybe like a speedboat uh, filled with explosives and slammed it into the side of uh, a U.S. Uh, warship, and killed uh, 15 of our uh, Navy sailors. So it was like the lead-up, kind of like the like the like the test run for 9/11, right? You know, Al Qaeda just dipping their toe in the terrorist waters. You yeah. know. it was kind of like it was like the it was the trailer for Deadpool. Yeah, gra- Groundhog Terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, so uh, so that happened. Well, Bill Clinton was in office, but he had, like, one foot out the door. Yeah, he was on his way out. He was, on, Yeah, totally, totally. So that brings us up to, like, another huge thing that happened in 2000. That was uh, Bush versus Gore. Yep. And Gore winning the popular election. Again. And uh, that was, like, the first time I voted was, was in that election.
0: The birth of terror and crybaby politics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I wish I'd thrown my vote away on Nader. Yeah. You know? In
0: <laughs> A lot of people did.
1: <laughs> yeah. A lot of people did totally. Well, this was like pre me. I wasn't really on the internet that much, so I didn't know how yeah. cool uh, Ralph Nader was. Yeah. Um, cuz he was like cool in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and so like that my when I sort of came into political consciousness, I had no idea that he was a he was like um like an advocate for the for consumers and, you know, decent policies. So then, I don't know, I probably went to my first protest in 2000. Got a lot of good environmental
0: uh, points as well. Oh, Gore did. Well, Gore did. So did Nader. Yeah. I mean, he set up for the small business guy and for for consumers in general as a whole. But you know, he had a lot to say. This wasn't you know a very marketable politician. In yeah. a lot of ways.
1: He need, he he needed a good ad agency. He was like watered <laughs> watered down Bernie. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so so that's what I had. I had oh what, who else? What I had a. Uh, Oh, mad cow disease! Mad cow disease! Hell yeah, bro! That yeah. was that was a big deal because you know that was like a time bomb. Yep. If the mad cow's disease, it took like six years to incubate until your brain started getting holes in it. So uh, we all just kind of—I mean, I know I was paranoid. I was like, "Well, am I am I dead already? You know? Did I? Because I would eat. I you know I eat hamburgers. Mm-hmm. I love but it. It was a British disease. It was a British disease, and it only there were only about three cases that were reported in the United States. Right. But there were 177 cases in
0: Europe. Yeah. So it was like the Rowan Atkinson of foodborne illnesses. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was it was it was like a yeah, Mad
1: Cow's disease is the Mr. Bean of uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> too, your brain and bowels are on the rocks.
1: <laughs> oh no. <sighs>
0: Yeah, that one, I mean, you know, that didn't get too close to home, but it was, I remember, I remember hearing about it, just the name, mad cow disease, awful, awful yeah. sounding name. Right, that's not good People dis- fucked up. Cows not- are like, you know, sublime creatures who, you know, don't do not do much, except <laughs> fart us into extinction. <laughs> um, like, why
1: is it getting so hot in here? Oh, yeah. methane, got it, thanks. We're, thanks, we're you We're breeding beef cows, and they're just, they're fucking up the
0: ozone layer. What else happened news-wise? I mean, the election was a huge one. Before that... <clears throat> Oh, Elian Alien Gonzalez. That was a major news story. Oh, yeah. For the
1: entire year. Dude, my brother went to Cuba that year because mm-hmm. uh, um, relations had thawed out a little bit during the Clinton years. And Directly he, before Elian. <laughs> he, he came back with the Elian t-shirt. Oh, yes. God. Yeah. I you going
0: to say he came back with Elian. <laughs> <laughs> he smuggled an Elian with him. He's a poor little kid. I wonder what he's up to now.
1: Yeah, I think he he probably like has an internet cafe in uh, <laughs> in Havana for tourists. Tiger Woods killing it. What happened to Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods. Uh, that's when he I, I, he broke like uh, nine um, tournament records. Oh yeah, he was at the top of his game. He was at the top. Like before that, people had known that he was he was like next level. He was the second. But coming. this this was it, where he just totally established himself. Yeah, and um, generated just a slew of hack jokes about, like, black people taking over, um, golf. Yeah. As well as every other sport. The Chris Rock. Uh, totally. Like, ran- like, Range Rover golf cart jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just
0: super racist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just, just barbecues on the golf course. Kudpow chitlins. So, uh, and if you want to hear any of those jokes, check out the original Kings of Comedy. I'm sure that yeah. you'll, you'll, uh, Or you'll go be to, to
0: fuzzyzeller.com. He was the, uh... <laughs> he, was, he was the guy. Um. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, in
1: theaters, we had uh, Cast Away. Oh, yeah. Also starring Helen Hunt. She was in that. Yeah, and, a uh, banner year for Helen Hunt. And yeah. Yeah.
0: Tom uh, She Hanks had on-screen
1: David. kiss with Tom Hanks in that movie. And... But I really feel like Wilson stole the show. Yeah, amazing. Great job. <clears throat> really got into the role. Uh, uh, Gladiator came out that year as well. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, if you watch The Sopranos, it's uh, Ralphie Ciparetto's favorite movie gladiator oh right yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> oddly enough i'm watching that season now
1: <laughs> god yeah I remember I remember remember when play Ax, uh, like oh, yeah, he play axe uh he's in gladiator clubs and, the he, guy. and he clubs that guy yeah. who works at uh bada bing in the eyes. he's basically
0: just like a fat punching bag who gets beat on every episode <laughs> in that season by some other dude cool other movies that were big that year were x-men
1: and uh, scary movie Another thing that happened: Big Pun died. Oh shit! Yo, that shit was heartbreaking for a lot of people. Yeah, I was a I was a fan of Pun. Huge, I know you were, man. Love Huge pun. fan of Pun. Every time I'm in the apartment, a Big Pun comes on. Dream Shatterer. <laughs> he is. What's the, he had? The, he had that one line, like how, how uh, Eminem's got the like Mom Spaghetti Get Ready oh, right. line. He's got the he's got the one about uh, the d- dead in the middle of Little Italy. Little did they know that right. riddled two middlemen who didn't do, 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 do did Italy. Right?
0: Twins, deep cover two. It's a hot
1: yeah. cover. Uh, Terrence McKenna died as well. I don't know who that is. He's guru. <laughs> he's an acid guru from all of Bill Hicks' jokes. Uh, okay. He always talks about taking heroic doses of mushrooms. Yeah. Heroic and, uh, doses. Heroic. And then we've so got it's awful. <laughs> uh, Willow Smith was born. Oh boy. Yes. So. Uh, cool. So the goat, Millennium. <laughs> he hooked us up with uh, yet another gift.
0: Yeah. Just blessings upon blessings. Thanks, huh.
1: thanks, Fresh Prince. Hell yeah, man. He gave us. Uh, he gave us. We're going to Miami, and uh, Willow Smith and Jaden Smith too. But he didn't. He wasn't born this year. Just Willow. All right. So that's it. That's what happened this year. And now let's uh, let's jump in to uh, to the movie What Women Want. Yes. Starring Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt. Eat those two. <laughs>
0: Also directed by Nancy Myers. Yeah, that was a big one for us. I think with this, this our format for this show. Uh, you know, it was about time we got into one of her movies. She's sort of like the romantic comedy uh, guru. I mean, she had her she had
1: her uh, fingers all over some other films as a producer. Yeah, uh, Private Benjamin, uh, Protocol, and um, Baby Baby Boom. Yeah, I have seen a lot of those movies. <laughs> yeah.
0: Baby Boom with Diane Keaton. Yeah, See, man. I know who she is. I yeah, know you, what it
1: is. You know what it is. I've never seen it. I've seen trailers to all those movies. Sure, Errol's trailers. Yeah, but Private Benjamin was just a little bit too. It's like a little bit too early for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think my one Goldie Hawn movie was uh, Wildcats. Oh hell yeah! First uh, team up with Wesley Snipes and uh, Woody Harrelson.
1: Right. I always fantasize that oh, headbutts lockers. That those two characters went on to be the same people in White Men Can't Jump. Yeah, I think they were the train. same two dudes. <sighs>
0: And with money training? <laughs>
1: yeah. um, oh, so I wrote this uh, little synopsis for the movie. and um, Okay. We can keep it in or we don't have to keep it in. Let's just let's have see. fun with it, right? Yeah. Now. Let's see we're what happens. Live,
0: Kevin. Kevin's going to work magic. You're totally. Us.
1: So we've got uh, Mel Gibson. We're just going to call him Mel <clears throat> yeah. for, this, for the rest of this. Instead of the characters' real names, we're going to use Mel and Helen. So Mel Gibson plays a chauvinist creative mm-hmm. executive with a corner office uh, in a swank advertising firm in Chicago. He's uh, like a petulant little boy who has a pyramid of women in his life who he uh, bullies, insults, demeans, harasses, and flatters. Mm -hmm. Uh, He thinks he's charming. He has an ex-wife he tries to make out with at her wedding Uh and a teenage daughter whose age he forgets. So he's... How did this
0: dude not run for president? (laughs) This
1: this dude is MAGA. (laughs) Uh, He believes that he's going to get a promotion... Uh, When he gets called into his boss's office, his boss is played by uh, Alan Alda. Right. Hawkeye. Yep. From (laughs) MASH. (laughs) And um, (laughs) uh, so this is the the setup. And then his professional life and job are threatened when his boss tells him that the firm is hiring its first ad woman. And he can't believe this because he, like, women are just people that bring you coffee. That's, like, it's lame. Um, And uh, Helen Hunt is the woman that they hire, and she's there to shake things up and to expand revenues by bringing uh, the firm into the 21st century
0: uh, with a woman's touch. Yeah, he said they were losing the demographic between uh, ladies uh, between the ages of 16 and 24, the highest buying power.
1: Yeah, this seems a little weird because I, I think that marketing has always been around getting women to buy products. Agreed, but uh, so they so basically they they want to have a more enlightened, uh, w- women friendly marketing um, program. The film takes a turn into fantasy when Mel is electrocuted by a hairdryer in his bathtub while trying to write copy for women's cosmetic products.
0: That was the most effeminate scene I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude, that was it was uh, pure slapstick. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Uh, I didn't I didn't laugh Manipause. once. <laughs> Uh, you know what? That scene did make me think about Silence of the Lambs. Oh. When Buffalo Bill is, like, yeah, tucking, just like tucking his penis uh, behind his uh, legs <laughs> and looking at himself in the mirror. That's exactly what I thought Mel Gibson was going to do to, like, get into the mind of women.
0: But instead of the Band of Horses song, he was playing Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Uh,
1: and fucking just... And then, just doing pirouettes and then and then he hops into uh, Alanis Morissette which was she was huge at this time I guess Oh
0: that's right. No, was it Alanis Morissette? It was. It was. He took his so we, we... Oh, that is that song, right? I'm a bitch on the love. No, I thought that was somebody else. That's it.
1: No. That's... Meredith Brooks. That's right, Gabe. Is uh is the person <coughs> Meredith Brooks. She sings I'm a bitch. And That's the only
0: song she's ever sung in her life. Did you know that? No.
1: So she's a one-hit wonder? She's yeah. Kind of like young MC.
0: Uh, he had two. <laughs> I think he right? had
1: he had an album called One Hit Wonder. He did. It was his second album.
0: Why well, Why pretend like you're not something that you really are?
1: So Mel, uh, so Mel uh, survives his electrocution. Don't stand
0: on the wall like he was Poindexter.
1: <laughs> Tell people what you are. Um, this is the where the movie gets interesting to me though. If he like electrocutes he himself, af- and doesn't die. After he doesn't die, uh, he gets cursed and blessed with the power of telepathy. And uh, he can hear what women want. All of them. And the rest of the film is Mel using his powers to gain insight into the women in his
0: lives uh, for personal gain. That scene gave me a fucking anxiety attack, by oh. the way.
1: Oh, yeah. I have enough
0: trouble figuring out what one woman wants, let alone hearing what all of them think. Well,
1: it's uh, you know what? That <laughs> scene, I feel like M. Night Shyamalan uh, borrowed from, from Mel Gibson in this movie for the Besides? character of... For Unbreakable. Oh. Where uh, he just... Bruce Willis just has to go in public and put his hands out. Yeah. And he can sort of read the past sins of every person who he comes in contact with. Yeah. And instead of that, we just have Mel being able to read the minds of any woman who he comes in contact with. You know what else he
0: might have taken from this? Uh, Mel Gibson can't fucking die. He was struck by lightning... He's six, unbreakable. Yeah, six times during this movie. That's
1: right, that's How right. How does he not fucking die? So he uses his powers to manipulate the women around him, and he steals Helen Hunt's ideas and claims them as his own. So pretty shady. Super shady. Not a nice guy. But as Mel learns about the women in his life, he really learns about himself, and he learns more about Helen. He falls for her and feels pangs of guilt for exploiting her.
0: He fell, they fell in love real quick. Yeah.
1: Well, how long does it take when you can read someone's mind?
0: I guess,
1: yeah. But I uh, would be concerned about anybody reading my mind.
0: Mm. Uh, I don't
1: think that they would love me if they heard every thought. And I,
0: I was gonna say, I was like, I, I think it's a lot harder to fall in love with somebody if you can read their mind. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants that.
1: Yeah, I think we like Nobody we like having a little bit of uh, privacy. And their
0: monologue is good where it is. Right on the inside. Right on the inside. No one Nobody needs to read all here. the journaling. Oh. Yeah. I mean, good God. Dude. <laughs> tyrannical thoughts <laughs> yeah none of uh, none of my
1: thoughts are pg yeah or even pg-13 no, how could they
0: be You're they're adult. mostly You're triple x man.
1: my thoughts are too fast and too furious uh one of the first scenes is his origin story right and we, we see that he was raised by vegas showgirls was it in vegas Yeah, that's what they say. He was raised in Vegas. I didn't pick up on that. And uh, and this would have been like old school Vegas, right? right? This is before the corporations took over. Like a hybrid
0: of Rocket Flappers and Cabaret esque -esque uh, dancers. This is
1: Sam Rothstein's Vegas. This is the Vegas (laughs) from Casino. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Sharon Stone uh, is making a cameo in uh, in Mel Gibson's Vegas. You know, right? Just running around on coke,
0: yelling and screaming. So he's uh, the product of a single mom who's a cabaret Vegas dancer.
1: Yeah. And And a house of,
0: uh, like a burlesque house. Burlesque dancer, I guess is a better way to put it, right?
1: Right. So he's watching women. Basically, he's already hearing what women want. (laughs) At least he should have been from a young age because he's in this uh, world that's entirely uh, governed by ladies who are entertainers. And if uh, possibly sex workers, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not judging. I'm not putting a term on them, but like. You know, these are women who uh, who peddle peddle their wares, mm-hmm. and they're also uh, clever and cunning. These are all women that are try- are getting money off of their looks and their and their performance. Yeah, and then all who's of, getting conned there? Dude, yeah,
0: dudes are dudes are getting conned always. These are showgirls. We're dumb.
1: And then uh, and then the other, the only men in his life uh, since he doesn't have a dad are like mobsters and gamblers and club owners that his mom. Uh, encourages him yeah. to uh, hang out around. So in some way, it's like he should have grown up to be uh, a club owner or like a pimp yeah, or some sort of a, like a card sharp. It's weird that he even goes into something as legit and boring as advertising.
0: I mean, maybe his ability to, you know, understand marketing from uh, how to sell yourself gave him an advantage. Those women knew what they were doing yeah here's my thing with that whole situation the the most of the guys that I knew that were raised by single moms yeah have always historically done well with women in general uh in relationships or just you know doing well it, it's it, there's like a certain intuitive nature you get to being raised by a woman almost solely you have like a an insight into like you just know how to talk to women you're more you're, it's more it's a more relatable situation for you so like most of my friends that were raised by single moms have always been. Uh Better at relationships than uh two parent kids, it seems like oddly <laughs> enough or' just like or more you know
1: right when you're when you're raised by two parents, yeah, uh you just watch your parents fight, yep, and then you go, man, I don't want to get into that yeah <laughs> you're not you're not trying to make anything
0: whole. I like, feel like <laughs> dudes raised by single moms know know how to talk to women way more than 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 guys who had uh you know both 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 influences sort of well. Um, each other. Here, it's a. I guess it's a, it's a paradox because
1: we're looking at um, Mel Gibson's character as someone who doesn't. We're, we're saying that maybe he doesn't know how to communicate with women, right? But when we see him in Chicago at the ad agency, they might not like him, but he is he has a pyramid of of women who work under him. Who have to tolerate him. So he still is the boss. Right. He, in some ways, is kind of like what the nightclub owner would be. Yeah. He's like the the exploitive manager at the top.
0: And he's disliked. Yeah. But not to his face. Right, right. But they don't revolt. There's no open revolt. Right.
1: You know, this isn't like the French Revolution. They're they're putting up with it. Everyone's grinning. He's still getting his coffee. He's getting his bagels.
0: He's like the Sesame Street Roger (laughs) Ailes.
1: He also... I think has had uh has slept with uh,
0: multiple women. Yeah, a lot of the women I, which sort of was revealed in like different little uh, you know right excerpts from their mind. And so it's like eye.
1: they might hate him now, but they didn't always hate him. Yeah. Or for whatever
0: reason they Well he's hate... a charming, good looking guy who's successful. Huh. <laughs>
1: so that's that's all it takes. Yeah, that doesn't tell you know, dudes yeah.
0: That's like yeah. the lottery. Uh
1: so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like his origin story is a is a little off.
0: I thought I don't it was. Buy a, it. I think it was kind of unique. I mean, you know, just to set it up, they, they could have done anything. I think it was a funny backstory, just showing him and showing how well, that came about.
1: Just specific, uh, specific traits don't work for me. Like when he is uh, daintily holding uh, bras. Yeah. Or when he doesn't quite understand how nail polish works, or he's sort of acting like this stuff is icky. Oh, that dude had like
0: a. PhD course and all that stuff right feminine, so, feminine care
1: yeah he should have been he should he yeah. should have been able to walk into
0: any pharmacy yeah that I could life. walk in probably walk in heels better than most people can yeah at least he should have been yeah he knows where to find he knows where to find everything I see where the, I see what you're saying the lapse and in, in, in that I get it
1: yeah I'm not that's that's all I'm getting at yeah it? that makes in the, sense in the same way that you're saying like a single mom like somebody raised by a single mom knows how to talk to women better yeah I've always um, found that but that's a small yeah. sample size obviously right. of my he friends. Should, like he should know like you, you know, know you exactly are. what uh, what I don't know what tampons to get right
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or they can just tell you
1: yeah because that's just... <laughs> no he can just, <laughs> sense, he can just sense it <laughs> um, yeah so that's I think that's a fascinating scene and I would have liked it if um, they showed that he was actually more of a grifter because he'd grown up in Vegas or had picked up some uh, criminal tendencies from the male role models in his life. Right.
0: I think that would have given him a less redeemable quality, which I think yeah. is why they avoided that. Uh, and the, sort of the, he just seems sort of like cut and draw, like you know, cut and paste, you know, misogynistic, uh, you know, money-driven, career-driven guy who you know. Exploits women to a certain extent, or manipulates them to, you know, into. into oh hell yeah. into his, into his harem. But he has a mu- he has a daughter, and this is that's that's the
1: shift. And this is very fun uh, when he goes to his wi- his wife's uh, wedding. Yeah, and uh, tries when... to kiss
0: her. <laughs> Who a got... <on> mouth?
1: <laughs> so good, dude. So they could they could easily remake this movie with Vince Vaughn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, that's in Chicago too Yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah this feels uh, This is a movie that, that uh, I think could be made Much more graphically Because right now It's at like a It feels like a PG-13 If not a PG It's very safe But when he tries to make out With his wife That's great Awkward So awkward Yeah And uh, and then
0: I think they were trying to Scum him up just enough To the point where like You actually see him Interact with the daughter And you see like A little glimpse of a heart Yeah On the inside Yeah well, I want to know why he and his wife, why they got divorced. Oh. You know, did they get divorced because he... Yeah, lives? they never told you. Right, And in right. two hours and 20 minutes for that fucking movie, yeah. they should have given you a little bit there. Yeah. I think she kind of goes into it, because she's the narrator in the very beginning. Yeah. He's just a misogynistic dude who, you know... And then, but the, how woman, did she I... fall for him in the first place? He's and a, was a he's... good-looking, successful <laughs> man. We're just going to keep going back to that as the default. I've never seen it fail. <laughs> Ever. <laughs>
1: Yeah. See, I think I feel like I'm giving uh, I'm give I want to give the female characters in this movie more credit. I feel like that's not good enough.
0: Um, I mean, he's like affable, charming. Win- Again, good looking, successful, affable. <laughs> <but> it's just <laughs> a win- it's a winning combination. He yeah. is Jack for forty a forty five year old dude looking solid. Yeah. 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 He's got that, that brave heart.
1: You know what? Six pack. I see him drinking too much wine and not doing enough inverted sit ups.
0: Yeah, which is <laughs> impossible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: true. Off camera. <laughs> um, um. So he, he has a little mushy scene with it. Well, not a mushy scene at all. The daughter is obviously, he's almost like an absentee parent. Again, career driven. Men, oh. men are vilified for it, women are vilified for the same thing, but she just doesn't care. Sure. Yet she actually yeah. calls him Nick, which is his first name. And he's like, you can call me dad. You know he he obviously loves his daughter, but he's bad at everything uh, involving emotion and, and, yeah. and obviously parenting.
1: He he uh, he ballparks and says thirteen. And yeah, goes, oh yeah, she's daughter. fifteen. That's right. Uh, That's and, bad. And then she's got <laughs> she's got the eighteen year old boyfriend. to take her to prom.
0: Super gross. I don't even know why they let that fly in, in any aspect. Yeah, as soon as I was like eighteen, and that dude looked like he was thirty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And yeah. he just looked like
0: a huge piece of shit. He had a he
1: he had a full beard yeah. and it's like they just uh, lathered him down in like Vaseline before yeah. the shoot so he looked extra greasy. Just gross, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that guy.
0: And uh and and those that launched a thousand ships.
1: Immediately made me think of kids.
0: Yeah, grimy, like Telly. Yeah. I was like, what is Telly doing in this movie? Yeah. He's dude, exactly what he's doing. The version surgeon's back. <laughs> oh no.
1: <laughs> um yeah, I didn't want him to succeed, and I also didn't know what strategy I would
0: have taken if I was in Mel's position. Yeah, also, what kind of balls do you have to, to kiss the dude's daughter in front of him? Right. Seriously. I mean, I guess if you're going to ever do that, it better be a dude that's wearing fucking nail polish on, right. the, on his fans and feet.
1: I guess his first impression of Mel was that Mel was in uh, tights. Yeah, he was like a mark. And he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. And what, <laughs> why, oh, what happened? Why doesn't Mel live with uh, his daughter anymore? Yeah. Oh, he's in tights. Like, did he? Is he transitioning? Yeah. Is he trying to be a woman? Is he, uh, you know, did, did the relationship
0: end with the mom because of some sort of. You were thinking that the dude that was, would even come close to thinking that. I don't even know if I, you know. Yeah, I'm giving the guy too much credit. They were giving a lot of people <laughs> 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 I think he was just there to be, like, literally, they're like scumbag. I, they're like, scumbag one? Like, now we have to give him a name. Okay.
1: Yo, so then we get back to the office, and the office looks like church. It's like hard. Uh, just wood, beautiful, oak, ornate. Everything. Yeah, man, it looks like a steakhouse slash it's, club. It looks like a club that vampires live in, like yeah. in Blade,
0: where people do cocaine and eat like sixty-eight ounce porterhouses. Oh
1: my god! Like they should be smoking cigars in every nook and cranny of that place.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess they want to glamorize the world of advertising, or they just make it look like a you know, it's it's a good, it's aesthetically good-looking place. It looked like the
1: library in Seven. Just
0: like wow. really yeah, it kind of did. I yeah. actually got a library vibe a lot of times. Like when he was walking through uh and saw Helen Hunt when he cr- you know cracks the door open it I just thought he was at like a college library. Yeah. So that's like where I got.
1: So uh so he's in this office and and I guess advertising is supposed to be sexy. Um I never thought of it as sexy. I yeah. Just, I, felt, I always had like a anti anti ad um anti commercial like uh, I don't know what the word would be, but like counterculture sensibility in the '90s and culture jamming. Yeah, like uh, like I remember the magazine uh, ad busters and culture jamming, and I, I thought that this was like it was just garbage to be like an ad ad person.
0: Yeah, you're a manipulator.
1: Right, right. So oh, so this was this movie felt like a uh, like Mad Men.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he's kind of like a pussy ass Don Draper. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that would be uh, very funny if the guys who wrote Mad Men looked at this movie as a sort of like a kernel
0: they, of, yeah. of what Don Draper would become. Sure. I don't even think they needed any help writing 50s Ad Men to be misogynistic and, you know. I mean, that's right. a whole other topic. That that show was great. So we've got a... Uh, so the backdrop is totally set with, you know, what he does and how he is and the now you know. He obviously thinks he's a shoe in for this creative director part. Uh, one little point that I will make is the two women who are like his like assistants yes. have no inner monologue. He can't hear a thought. Like, there's no thought, which I thought was really kind of funny. Yeah. They got nothing, which makes them the most genuine human beings in the entire right film. Right,
1: their their words, thoughts, and actions yeah. are aligned. Just it's, sitting there blinking. They are they are en- <laughs> Skyrim characters enlightened, enlightened beings. Yeah, that's that's what I think. Just
0: sentient, no inner turmoil, nothing, no yeah. inner anything. No, Just, hey, I'm here to work. Let's go to the forty fourth floor. I'm on the forty fourth floor. Nah, who knows? Who knows? But we got champagne waiting for you, Poppy. I got it. Um, so it sets the backdrop for this whole situation. You know, he has. Sort of, you know, he has a redeemable quality in the fact that he actually does love his daughter, and he's not a completely horrible person. But he has no idea what women want. Um. So as the story progresses, uh, great. Uh, what you know, what, what was another scene that you thought was pivotal?
1: Uh Okay. Uh, th- this movie has uh, like some tonal shifts and w- uh, scene that felt a little bit out of place was uh, him at his apartment um, looking through the pink box of uh, female cosmetic products. Okay And I, I honestly I liked this I liked parts of the scene, yeah. but I also felt like it was a vanity pro- it was a vanity project for Mel 100%. to have this scene in the movie. Just sashaying We're,
0: around. He
1: is sash. Well, yeah. They're like, how do we make this guy seem likable? Uh, they have him sashaying around, just like you said, to uh, Frank Sinatra music, and he's he does a dance that feels very old Hollywood. Well, well, choreographed, him, mean, he he killed it. Yeah, it's like it's like a a little Fred Astaire number I've, he's doing
0: in there. I've drunk I've drunk a lot of wine in my life, and uh, and never, you never that never, never happens. Never once would that ever even occur to me. No, lamps get broken. Yeah, Ch- I've never had like a you know a box full of female uh, product. Right, that needed testing. Also, why test it on yourself? Oh, I guess he was trying to get into it. What did he want out of a lip gloss or a lip balm?
1: Right, right, right. You've got it's kind of like how a, a homicide detective who's hunting a serial killer <laughs> just
0: get inside the being.
1: Yeah, right. Has to get inside the mind, and he. Uh, but there's this uh, level of slapstick comedy in this scene. Yeah, that um, I don't know if Mel Gibson, if it's the him that loves that stuff. Because it's so it's like it's like uh, guys that like the three Stooges. He's
0: a big Stooges fan.
1: I know right. like Mel Gibson's a really big three Stooges fan, and so I can see why he'd want to put all this stuff in the movie, but none of it works for me. him like falling down and just being uh, like a like it's so like a buffoon. yes yeah it's like almost how like a dad jokes can be painful. yeah well always. like an old old man. Doing a uh, little kid slapstick yeah, It was like v- really
0: vaudevillian slapstick.
1: Yeah, I'm like we've moved past that, man. It's the year 2000.
0: I think they put it in there as I guess like a, a fo- you know like a, a show off piece for him to kind of like just completely marketed himself as like a, 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 a triple threat. But also like I think that him putting on the like all the stuff that he was doing kind of takes him back to his upbringing mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, that's all he was around was women glamming themselves up constantly.
1: Yeah, it also <laughs> it made me think of Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so
0: Wild Bill and wild Leatherface. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, like anytime I see like a grizzled man with like crow's feet and like worry lines <laughs> on his forehead, putting on lipstick and tights, I'm like, oh, this is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um. So yeah. Anyway, that scene, uh, that 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 scene was cool because it showcased didn't dancing. It showcased uh, slapstick,
0: and it was the basis for the, the shift in the film. So basically, he slips on a fucking bunch of bath beads and falls into the shower with his uh, hair dryer and electrocutes himself to the point where one foot's in, one foot's out. He doesn't yeah. die. Amazingly,
1: uh, uh, and he becomes a superhero. Yeah, like this is such a cool power.
0: <laughs> it would also drive you crazy. Yeah.
1: I can see that. I mean I could see that you'd want to take time away. It's kinda of like uh getting off the grid or turning your phone off. You yeah. wanna go you'd wanna to go to the woods. You'd wanna to go to the Catskills. Right. Or you'd definitely wanna go spend time at a football game or like some lar- like just like in a bathhouse when it's just like dudes day at the bathhouse and you could just sit in a sauna and not hear anything.
0: So let let's talk more about the, the the shift. So his initial move into he wakes up and he can hear his, his his I guess it's his house, his nanny slash, his live-in maid, right? Or not even live-in maid.
1: Uh, no, she doesn't live there. No, she doesn't. She walks in. Yeah. Wearing sensible footwear, we yeah. see her feet as she walks by him, and he's in his face is still in the beads.
0: In the Yeah, he's and out.
1: I wanted a little bit more realism to the scene. I wanted him to get his lift his head up and have just big bruise bruised welts where all
0: the beads were. <clears throat> you know what I liked about uh, the, that first scene or the, the, the scene where he finally f- first realizes that he has that power is when he reacts to her thoughts she doesn't even blink and she's like how does he know that? She doesn't. She's like what are you talking about? She has no, you know Right. It's, about, I thought that was well done. She's not like in shock or like how does he Is he, how does he know that one fact? Like how does she doesn't even blink she just keeps going and you know completely th- froze up she's like what are you talking about? I'm always like this. Anyway, that I thought was cool. Yeah. Uh, she and seems then, like the smartest character in the movie, by the way.
1: Right. Well, she's the one that's not contorting herself to, uh, I mean, her job is the most basic. It's like, I'm going to clean this apartment, then I'm out of here. I'm making money, I'm doing something, and I'm not, like, sort of doing mental gymnastics to justify why I'm here. Yeah, Which is something I noticed with, like... Uh, him listening to the inner monologues of so many people, yeah. it's like uh, it's like I just feel bad for like every woman working in uh, this <laughs> like maybe in general, maybe in like a capitalist society, but just like uh, the one at his office who is his assistant mm-hmm. and she has um, she she has an Ivy League degree, uh, um, an Israeli and, boyfriend, an Israeli boyfriend, and she's super smart and super qualified, and she just has to sit there and like take it. Uh, and and I keep thinking like but also what are your goals like why do you even want to be in advertising in the first place like why don't you go write a book
0: or yeah, well, do people, yeah. people make funny choices with their lives in college like I want to be in advertising it's like you're 21 you don't know you, yeah, you think you do
1: what do you want to do you want to like fool people into buying things that
0: they don't need all right good job well they I mean that's yeah of course learn. She'll, she'll yeah, so uh, or the... I love that uh, in this movie Mel Gibson uh, loves bagels and is handed a yamaka at one point. <laughs> that was my. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he totally loves the. It loves it. Loves it. He
1: he he's a matchmaker. Yeah, he's like a maven.
0: Do you think those long distance calls to Israel uh, by his assistant were what led him to, uh, <laughs> to write Passion of the Christ?
1: <laughs> yeah. No. He's. A, this is a very uh, like Jewish people friendly Mel Gibson. Okay. <laughs> So he's walking down the street, and uh, right when he leaves, Mel Gibson's powers. Right when he leaves his apartment, then he's got the uh, valet, who, uh, who is just, just wants wants a s- sexy, yeah. just a sexy piece of ass, yeah, just a looking fe- like Shaft, like a,
0: yeah, well, yeah. That. I, I think if I could ever say what he looked like, the last thing that comes to my mind would be Shaft.
1: I was but. like, why is her internal monologue uh, just, a stereotype? Yeah, just
0: like, <laughs> like Medea.
1: Yeah, it's like a fucking sexed-up Medea. So, so yeah, not sensual. Mm-mm. You know, just
0: just vo- almost violently sexual.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like that Born was I feel like that was a stereotype. Demeaning. Yeah, they mm. could they could have softened
0: that character up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I thought about it.
1: Uh, another interesting thing was he's walking through the park and he's listening to uh, ladies talking to themselves, and then he can hear a French poodle talk,
0: which was bizarre.
1: Yeah, kind of like what? What connection is this movie trying to make? That That was
0: actually that was the dumbest part of this movie. French French
1: poodle dogs and women uh, are on the same telepathic wavelength.
0: It was like a. It was like look who's talking that was so that was so dumb when he the dog was like i need to poop in the french accent i was like get the fuck out of here (laughs) why why would you do like how did that make it out of the fucking cutting room there's
1: one woman that he he uh he has a connection with in the film but that we never hear what her internal monologue is and that's when he goes to chinatown to save erin the lonely clerk uh from killing herself he goes to chinatown and he sees an old chinese lady and uh, they make like meaningful eye contact. yeah they have no
0: words no verbiage. there's no words though yeah
1: and then she leads him down the cor- down the alley uh, to, the to, house. to the house and and I, I think, well is it that he can't hear what she's saying or uh, did he hear what she was thinking but was it in Chinese so he couldn't understand it? They just don't do anything with that at all yeah and
0: it's... then they get struck by lightning for the fourth fucking time <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, I keep going back to that I was like. I mean, obviously, there's a suspension of disbelief because he can read women's th- hear women's thoughts, but yeah, I mean, he, this guy is a fucking superhero.
1: So he uses this power for evil at first, right? He's like manipulative mm-hmm. and, to get uh, to get the,
0: to get you know the character Helen Hunt's character uh, to undermine her authority and just out, out out work her for the job, right?
1: But he he also does it to get perks. Like yeah. there's that scene where he's in the um he's in the uh... Break room with all the ladies that he works with and they're giving him muffins and fruit oh, right, and coffee. Is it salad and healthy? He's, yeah, he's just listening Radishes. to everything they have to say. And at that moment I realized that I was watching uh another movie. I was watching Groundhog Day. <laughs> it's basically the same premise as Groundhog Day. Right. Where like at first Bill Murray is upset in Groundhog Day that uh he's living the same day over again. Same way, Mel Gibson is upset that he can hear all these women's voices in his head, and then, uh, then at one point in both films, they both decide they're going to exploit the fact that they're that they have this like, you know, advantage over everyone else.
0: Well, he was sort of uh, worried about it and wanted to change it almost immediately, and then he went to his therapist or, or his. The, I think it was the woman that he saw his couples therapist Bette Midler's character mm-hmm. which I thought was amazing because when she actually figured out she was like you have a power Yeah, and she's like you can use this she was the one that put him on she was like dude stop fucking being, stop being a little bitch
1: men are from <laughs> Mars
0: women are from Venus He's and like, you're the one man that can yeah. speak Venusian. Venusian that's what that was right mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool scene Yeah, necessary
1: yeah learned a lot that was the turning point in the film
0: I will say this about this movie it could have been a little shorter because it was just a long drawn out sort of uh there was a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot of different little subplots in there. You know, with the daughter, the clerk or like his the girl that initially wanted to be a copywriter. Yeah, was going to kill herself. Uh and yeah, you know, so I guess they, they they had a little that's like a, a Nancy Nancy Myers is like the female version of Judd Apatow basically. Like all her movies are longer than
1: That they need to be. Yeah. You think they could edit it out? The
0: uh I th- I feel like they could have edited out the um I didn't need to see a 20-minute montage of the girl trying on prom, de- prom dresses. Yes. That would seem silly. That was a lot. Yeah. Just I that, feel like that, that went on for a while.
1: I feel like that was for the dads that were watching this movie. To be like, yep, I went through that. I don't think any... Yeah, do
0: dads do that? I think... I don't know. Why would you take your dad to go get do prom dad, dresses? Do dads... Well,
1: like, what if... I the guess you offered to buy is, it. What if the mom is dead? Oh, you know? the single dads. Widowers. Totally. Single dads yeah, out there. Who have to go see what she women want?
0: Eagles with broken wings?,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am every dad. Yeah, but who was the target audience for this movie? You know, I
0: would still say women.
1: I saw it with, uh, I saw it with Amber, and she's basically I'm just saying her name, but she said that uh, the demographic for this movie was like 13-year-old girls. you think so? Yeah, she saw it when she was younger. I would
0: say, like, teenage girls, like, young teenage girls, 13, and then, like, women over the age of 40.
1: (laughs) So, young ladies, young girls, and their grandmas.
0: Yeah. Because I think the Not that, like, over 40 doesn't mean grandma, but... No, um... no, no, but yeah, like, you know, I think the ones in the middle there are a little jaded. Yeah. And I don't think it would appeal to them as much.
1: Yeah, I need to know. I want to know who else saw this. This was, like, uh, the second uh, uh, top-earning movie. In 2000. Yeah. So, it was pr- really popular.
0: I even remember when I saw the commercials for it, and I would never have seen... I would never go out of my way to see this movie, you know. But I remember being like, that's an interesting idea. You know? Yeah. You know, it didn't seem very original, but apparently it was original enough. Um, um,
1: so, one, Like, we've, we've seen a couple movies now. We've seen... Uh, Say? Well, we saw Say Anything, definitely. But we, we saw in Cruel Intentions, Ten Things I Hate About You, and now in uh, this movie, What Women Want, I'm seeing this pattern where the male lead, the romantic male lead, is uh, has a lie, has some disingenuous way that they are entering the, uh, the woman's life. And at some point they realize that they're, they feel guilty about keeping this lie yeah and be, be, because they've they've now fallen for like the the female lead that's a, a great they, take on that and they have to reveal so like um i didn't even think about that in that's... uh in cruel intentions we've got ryan F- felipe mm-hmm. he uh <laughs> he's try he's just trying he, he's got to win the bet the <coughs> wager and sleep with reese witherspoon but he realizes that he truly uh loves her yeah and then he's got to tell her that, that's that, that's why. Yeah. Uh, and then in 10 Things I Hate About You, we've got um, the character played by our man Heath Ledger. Yep. And he was hired to hook up with the shrew, but realizes that he really likes her. After a while, yeah. Yeah. And in this one, Mel Gibson uh, is just trying to steal Helen Hunt's ideas because he wants to save his job. Right. But in the process of like reading her mind, he realizes she's got... A beautiful
0: mind. Well, she's genuine. Yeah.
1: Oh, and how do you feel about that, though? That um, there's like these weird gender like binaries that they've set up where guys are crude and dumb, and uh, women are pure. Like Mel Gibson has, like, you know, he's like a woman would never do
0: that. Yeah, that was a little bit much for me. I don't. I mean, have you ever seen women around (laughs) other women? Yeah. Uh, uh, Exactly. I was like, I've been watching people. too
1: much Game of Thrones. For the like, most genuine. Cersei doesn't seem like yeah, like a uh, like a like a Helen Hunt type archetype. I mean, I think that
0: he was not wrong when saying that a lot of men are sort of guided by their penises and make dumb decisions.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I, I wonder if a, a movie like this could exist could be made in today's uh, climate of gender fluidity. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, in the, you know, I, I think this came out and they're like, men are like this, women are like that. Yeah. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. But now we're we're in a place where everyone's just, like, mad fluid. Or you've got, tra- like, if Mel Gibson was running down the street uh, or walking through the park and there were a bunch of uh, transgendered um, people uh, bumping up next to him, would he be, like, reading people's minds, like, look over and see a bearded guy and be like, why can't I read that guy's mind? Like... You see what I'm saying? Right. The, the colors are muddied.
0: So you're saying that even 17 years later, or 17 years earlier, from, from you know, gender roles were even more clearly defined back then. Like, well. And now there's, it's like, it's almost a more combative atmosphere now because people are, you know. Or gender identity. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Gender,
1: gender identity, gender expression mm-hmm. has changed so much in terms of uh, the mainstream. Right. That a movie like this would seem really basic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um,. Mel Gibson should join the police force in this and go after uh like lady uh bank robbery crews and like <laughs> white collar criminals who are who are women. Like he could be like the superhero that catches like all of the madams that run brothels. Like female cat burglars? Hell yeah. Or like catwomans.
0: Mm.
1: I know of cat burglars, but like you right? know like no, no, actual cat like women. Catwomen. Hathaways. H- H- hell yeah, dude. Like berries. Or Pfeiffer's.
0: So use his powers more, more good, more gooder,
1: <laughs> more goodly.
0: Where did he actually? Where where was his his overall shift? Like, what, what what was the epiphany that he had? How did that come about? What scene?
1: Okay, well, uh, first he he sleeps with Marissa Tomei. Yeah, he sleeps with. Because the, why wouldn't you? Right, if you had the opportunity. Right, right. And then after he sleeps with her, that was a great scene. Right, it was really awkward. That was like terrible about it. terrible sex.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to get that uh, immediate feedback. That would be that would ruin every dude's day. I think. Oh my
1: god. Well, I always wonder if every single first uh first sexual experience uh like like first date. Yeah, no, first then, sexual
0: encounter between two people, the first time you have sex is It's, it's just weird. awful. Yeah.
1: Or not if not so awful, just like no, not, not exactly what you uh thought it was. Yeah. Cuz you both at least as a guy, it's like this feeling of like I won. Yeah.
0: That's why one night stands rarely happen sober. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, I won. I won. Uh, not that like I fooled anybody, but like, hey man, I got there. Right, I made it happen. It was great. Uh, that was a great audition. I got my
0: foot in the door. I got hired. Yeah. You now know? you get the call. No, this is like the first step. It's like it's a callback. Like, yeah. Oh, like I have a second interview.
1: Yeah, totally. Or like you know, I, I'm doing some on the. Yeah. Jo- I'm 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 on the job training. And, like, I don't know if I've been hired yet, but, like, I'm here as an intern for the week. Right. This is an unpaid position. And, uh, but you don't get the evaluation. Or it's always, a, it's always an insincere evaluation. Right. You know, uh, especially if they want to, if uh, the lady wants to keep you around. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of smiles. But if you can hear everything as it's happening in real time. Yeah.
0: Just, just immediate feedback. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Confidence busting. Um, I thought that was a cool scene. And it was awkward to watch, but I thought it was great. I mean, you know. But what's
1: real? Is what's happening in your head real? Like, that. this was a thought I had, too, where he is, um, he's at uh, one of the first meetings with Helen Hunt and uh, four other uh, women who are um, pitching ad ideas, and it's about painkillers. And he can hear what one of the lady ad women, one of the, sorry, he can hear what one of the ad women is thinking. Right. And he takes her idea and pitches it, and they hate it, even though
0: it's genuinely what she's thinking at oh, that moment. It's like the Illuminati; <laughs> they're giving away. That's a, those, those are uh, those are secrets. Yeah. So, but like,
1: I guess what I'm getting at is that sometimes uh, in the moment things might not feel great, but then we rationalize them later, right. and we realize that they were fine.
0: Oh yeah, she was like vehemently opposed to like she was like I've never done that. Anna a gas from SNL. Yeah, she was, she was that character.
1: Yeah, but do you do you get like kind of what I'm getting at? That yeah, like, uh, like like if we are only if we're only uh, slaves to our momentary whims, we don't actually. It's that's not really us, right? You oh, know? I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, it's like if you use this power just to figure out what people want at that one moment, you're not going to get the best.
0: No, not at exactly. all. You're not even letting the thoughts fully develop. You're just acting on, you know, you're using.
1: You're acting a like whimsical thought. You know, it, it actually makes me think of like consumerism in general or advertising. How advertising is just trying to get us at what our what our most base um, appetite is at that moment. Yeah. And if you listen to advertising, you will. Ju- you'll basically just like eat ice cream in your boxers all day long.
0: I mean, I feel like that's kind of the point they were making. I think they were taking a little shot at the advertising world there as well, you know? Reading people's thoughts is something that they would kill to do in advertising. Yeah. How easy would it be to sell things to people if you already know what they're thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. That's why they track, you know, your extra care card at CVS. (laughs) They want to know what you like (laughs) so they can price it correctly for for their own benefit.
1: Not a conspiracy. That's 100%. No, that shit is 100%. I'm, I believe it. A
0: friend of mine said that to me years ago. And it was way ahead of its time. I was like, really? He's like, they're not tracking that to give you savings, you dumbass. I'm like, I'm like why? You know, like in my head I didn't even think about it. And then I was like, yeah, of course they're not. Why the fuck would these corporations give a shit about saving me money? they yeah. About about fi- figuring out what I really need, what my, demographically, where I am, where I'm located geographically, and just fucking, just check up prices and stop you know, Greek, you know, Mass-produced shit that we buy all the time instead of wasting time on products that are not selling well. Yeah, man. Tracking every part. I mean, that shit is insane. And In the guys are like, they're selling it to you by giving you like a smidgen of a discount, or the fucking that thirty-page receipt they give you. This is like a, a this is a fucking Bill Burr
1: <laughs> stand-up <laughs> line.
0: But. Yeah, I mean, that let's take this movie from another level, which is like a man-woman interaction and his whole manipulative that that whole part. Yeah, I think they're they're knocking on advertising a little bit. Yeah. So the turn. Manipulation of thoughts is 100% what uh, marketing and advertising is.
1: You were a- asking about <clears throat> the turn, and uh, I think the turn happened after he sleeps with Marissa Tomei. And then he uh, falls for Helen Hunt. Uh, I, I think right after that, they go and they, they listen to jazz together. Oh, right. But um, I getting back to the Marissa Tomei bit, though, it's like I don't think he ever redeems himself. For uh, manipulating her and sleeping
0: with her. Yeah, what does he do? He just tells her he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the silliest... I mean, that, that part was so... It's like, you're... I mean, again, this... <laughs> yeah. Pro- that,
1: that problematic. Was,
0: that was just silly on all kinds of levels. He's like, yes, I'm not... We know. Yes, I am gay.
1: Yeah, he could have... I mean, it just felt like such a basic, cringy joke. Like, yeah. Especially now in, like, whatever it is, 2017... To to say to just be like I'm gay.
0: Well, he we even um, had a, trouble saying it. Yeah, Which and, most heterosexual dudes was.
1: And even now, it'd be like, so wait, are you like bi? Are you like yeah. Are are you bi curious? Are you are yeah. you questioning? Are you transparent? Like where are you? Where are you on the on the Tinder profile like yeah. app? Are you are you gender fluid? Like what's up, man? Gender and really, fluid. really, you're gonna put me at risk? You're yeah. just gonna sleep with me and put me at risk without telling me like what you're all about?
0: Unfair. Yeah, yeah, that was a silly sort of dated reference. I thought that part of the... And then she was like, if you ever change, call me. It's like, <laughs> all right, dude, let's just fucking edit this whole garbage out of the film. Like, that was so stupid. That's yeah. super... I think both of them, well, I don't know about Gibson's had so much cringe shit happened to him since then, but I think Maristau may must look back at that scene and be like, God, what the hell was... how did I agree to that? Yeah. Just a silly...
1: I mean the actors they just read the
0: lines but No, uh, oh, of course, of course. But I mean th- those two are pretty high profile actors and I'm sure they have a little say. Like I'm not... I mean, yeah. they wouldn't. know. This is again 17 years ago. Much different world. This is before this is before 9/11. <laughs> the world was still innocent. Yeah. We we're worrying about shit like mad cow disease <laughs> and fucking Y2K. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. Yeah. So, uh So that was a shift. That, I think that's where you started to feel it and then I think <clears throat> interactions with his daughter and he he becomes an, uh, almost immediately protective over her, you know, with that predatory fucking shark-looking dude. Well, wow. so he starts to realize
1: I love uh I love that his daughter um ends up I love that his daughter ends up at the at the prom and Prime decides and that bathroom. she wants to keep it. Uh yeah. and by it, her virginity. Mm-hmm. And uh and prom dude yeah what a what a nightmare right what a nightmare that is
0: i've, I've never been to a prom we didn't yeah. have one at my, my at the high school i graduated from we had a student body of like 65 kids man.
1: right so it's it would be so weird right because you're with these 65 kids yeah all day long and then you're like i'm horny do you want to get dressed <laughs> up with me yeah. and go to this like uh in into- pressure filled just event. couldn't even
0: fill a dance floor yeah let alone without with, you know with our Oh, yeah. the, the student body was sixty five so like the graduated class was like fifteen twenty kids.
1: <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna just like dance awkwardly and and sweat <clears throat> these sugar ray songs yeah, and does. then maybe maybe kiss
0: oh yeah
1: no sorry. nothing about
0: that sounds appealing
1: uh-huh but uh but yeah, so she's responsible she saves her uh her she's chased
0: she seemed like she had a head on her shoulders throughout the entire movie uh
1: what what was missing was uh, a purity ball scene where like Mel Gibson actually takes her and and saves, and they have one last prom dance together,
0: yeah, I would have rather seen that than him coming than his foe coming out of the closet scene. <laughs> they could have done that that would have been, that would have been better for the dads or the montage um, so that's what happens that's where the shift occurs, yeah, or that's when a couple of you see him starting to figure out you know what to do, and I think the final. I guess the most redeeming scene towards the end after the daughter was him going to the uh, that girl's apartment who he thinks is suicidal. Even though I think she's just being sort of like off-handedly sarcastic and cynical and nobody notices her. Uh, and I remember her, like, I, that scene to me was probably, that was, a, that was a good scene in the movie. That actually kind of made me, because I was like starting to walk, shy away from liking it after a couple of really dumb scenes. And then that scene was sort of... It was good. It brought you back? Yeah, she, she did a good job, I think, too. And he was like, you know, I, I feel like... She, she was like, I'm worried about you. The suicide thing. She's like, you think that? She's like, that's not good. You know, that, like, you can tell.
1: I think um, one one place where they uh, dropped the ball was... Imagine how insane it would be to exit your bathroom and see a wet Mel Gibson in a raincoat on your waterbed. Mm-hmm.
0: Who smells like burnt hair because he was struck by lightning for the <laughs> fifth time? Or struck by you know, electrocuted for the fifth time in the movie, and
1: then he's acting manic like, yeah. in your most private space. Yeah, and he's and he's a powerful dude at the office you work yeah. at. That all of it is wrong. Mm-hmm. Him being there is wrong on him. every level. And there shouldn't have been a moment where she even asked what he was doing there. She should have been stabbing him. Oh, he would have been maced, maced up. Yeah, just bear mace, right
0: yeah. in the eyes. Huh. Um, yeah, again, but, you know, we're going suspension of disbelief in this entire fucking movie because it's sort of ridiculous from premise and the fact that he can hear women's thoughts because he gets electrocuted in the bathtub. Again, <laughs> defies the physical science and lives through multiple electrocutions, can hear women's thoughts, and I think that's, that's, yeah. they, that's almost like an afterthought. So what do you think, man,
1: about this movie?
0: I actually liked it. I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. You know, there's some cheesy parts. I mean, how would how would there not be? You know, the same the same cheesy parts that I thought would come when I didn't want to watch it 15, 16 years ago.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, re- I I really liked it, and uh, I loved seeing a young Marissa Tomei. Wow. Uh, I loved seeing um, Mel Gibson like at his height, pre rant. Yeah. Um, and he uh, and Helen Hunt was fine. You she, know shes she America's she sweetheart yeah uh I don't have any like being some you know being somebody that likes to that's creative uh, half of half of the the two scenes that I identified with a lot were him um looking at all of the uh products uh and not not necessarily like painting the nails and um putting on the tights, but this idea of having to go crazy in solitude right so like if I have to write a script. I don't want anybody around, and I kind of put myself in a place where I'll just talk to myself and wander around the rooms. And I might put on music; it won't be Frank Sinatra, but I'll put on music. And then another—it uh... might be Frank Sinatra now. Okay? Yeah, no, dude, it's usually Sugar Ray. That's like about it.
0: And then oh, can, I, can I just say right now, let's never fucking reference Sugar Ray on this podcast again. No, like, so that's only... Like the only worst true. <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about. Them. <laughs> Given him more airtime than anybody else on Earth ever has. Yeah, after, and every since well sma- So if it's not Since and right,
1: fucking daily. It's uh it's definitely smash mouth is gonna get a lot of airtime. Oh, and uh, you know, I might as well be walking on the sun. And, oh but that's so that's one scene that I can identify with uh, <laughs> artistically. And another one is when he is walking around with his notebook observing um all of the thoughts. Yeah from all of the ladies. And there are times I'll go to like Union Square and I'll just bring my notebook out with me and I'll just people watch for inspiration. So I kind of, I got, I I saw a, like his process as an ad executive, right? As something that um, I see in my own process, right?
0: So that was cool. I thought it was also well acted. You know, there was some. I thought he was good. Tomei was good. Yeah, you know, there's a couple. Solid acting jobs. It was, just, it was a nah, good Yeah, Alan Aldo movie. was
1: in there. Alan ben Miller was in
0: there.
1: Yeah. Look, if you want to see a movie uh, that uh, exists with just a couple cell phones, no smartphones, uh, barely any internet, uh, and uh, and and fun, Mel Gibson and fun Helen Hunt.
0: If you want to like Mel, Mel Gibson again for like a two-hour span of time, you could watch this movie and be okay yeah. with it. Yeah. So All right. You're really a part of me, I've got you under my skin. I have tried so not to give in, I have said to myself this affair never gonna